What is up, everybody? It's a lovely day, lovely day, lovely day. If you don't know that song, Bill Withers, awesome, awesome, awesome dude. Lovely day, one of my favorite songs of all time. When I wake up in the morning light. And the sunlight hits my eyes. Doom, doom, doom. He's also, what other songs have Bill Withers done? He's done some really good songs. Um, anyway, I love that song so much. And uh, anytime it comes on, I started playing it for my kids because it's such a cool way. Like, if you're having a crappy day and you put on Lovely Day, it's just like a matter of how you're going to see the world. Do you want to see it as a crappy day or as a lovely day? Lovely day, lovely day. Anyway. Um, it's a lovely day, you guys, and I'm excited for you to be here with me because this is a great episode this week, and I'm excited for you to hear it. But before you do, a couple things. My website, jlarsoncomedy.com. Uh, social media, jlarsoncomedy. I, I got a couple of requests. I'm going to give requests. If you live in a city and there's a comedy club and you want me to come there, call, email, Say, hey, why is Jay Larson not coming to the club? Do that and then have your friends call and have your family call. So it's not just like you calling or emailing. It's like, oh, you know, listen, there's like eight people. We all want them to come here. That would be a huge help to me. Also, you know, if there's something you like in this week's podcast and you do Photoshop, Photoshop a little picture, send it at me. Let me know you're listening. If I put a post out there, comment on it. All those little things help because I need you guys. And I say that sarcastically, like I'm making fun of myself, like I need you, but I really do. Like it means a lot when you guys reach out and tell me what you like. And if you guys do up a little picture and send it to me, I'll repost it. I'll put it back out there. It's just all that stuff helps the podcast and helps it grow and uh you know it may not seem like it guys but i put a lot of work into this and i'm proud of it and i and i really enjoy the the guests that we're able to get on and to come out here and do these podcasts with me and um you know i appreciate you guys and want to keep making good content and i want to do more that's not on the podcast world. I want to be able to offer more. So all these little things can help, you know, in, in every capacity. And I'd love to get out there to see you guys. So again, if you're in a city with a comedy club, hit them up. And if you're on social media and you're enjoying it, you know, let me know because uh, I appreciate you guys. And I like to know that you, uh, you appreciate me. <laughs> it's a give and take, guys. Literally, my wife's going to be like, what are you doing out there? And why are you crying? Um... Okay, what is today? Today is the 9th. God, I love it. Love it, you guys. I love being here with you. I want to say something. Past guest, when I was back doing the crab feast and feaster nation, uh, Josh Gondelman. We went to the same high school. Uh, super, super funny dude. Has a new album out called Dancing on a Weekend. Uh, he's on a weeknight. I apologize. Dancing on a Weeknight, Josh Gondelman new album he's super 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 funny if you're on twitter he helped start the uh modern day seinfeld he's super smart and he's just a really great dude and great writer and great comic you know there's stand-ups that like hey they're funny guys and they tell great stories or they're very physical josh is a really strong writer so 
that always lends to a great listen as far as comedy albums go. So go check it out. Uh, Josh Gondelman, Dancing on a Weeknight. It's definitely worth uh, the pickup, or you can listen to him on Spotify or whatever. But he's a great dude, and uh, he's also a, a stone I'm spotting. Spotting, guys. Um, so go give him a listen uh after this after this week's up uh which is a great episode speaking of crab feast this week's guest former guest and fan favorite uh, of the crab feast and here's the deal if you don't if you are not a crab feast uh fan and you found me another way go check out the crab feast we have a new feed out there it's coming shortly. I don't know if it's out yet. Where we are taking all the old Crab Feast episodes and putting them in one place so you can go over and subscribe and, and relive those. Because the great thing about the Crab Feast and this podcast is you can re-listen to them. And uh, there were so many episodes of the Crab Feast that you can go back and listen to some. And you're like, did I re- even hear this one? Um, but this week's guest and Josh uh, were both guests on there. So... Um, you know, if you really enjoy last week's with Jeremiah or this week's with Beth, then go check those out as well. Um, so that leads me to this week's guest, Beth Stelling, a great comedian um, who is out there also on social media, Beth Stelling uh, on Instagram, Beth Stelling on Facebook and Twitter, whatever your social media is check out Beth because she's also she's another one who's a super strong writer and writes on TV and in movies and and is doing like a lot of cool stuff you're you're gonna hear a lot from Beth you know if you already haven't uh, heard a lot from her because she's just super talented and super fun and uh, we had a great time sitting down um, we also recorded out in the uh, playhouse at my in my backyard where I am right now. There's a lovely breeze that comes through here, and I love it out here. There's something weird and awesome about being in my kid's playhouse doing podcasts. So uh, I hope you love this week's episode as much as I did sitting down with her. She's a great person, a great comic. So please enjoy this week's episode with Beth Stelling. I think that you're, you should have like... I, we were just talking about <laughs> dieting, and you go... How do you not feed off results? I feel like would be like if you had like a CNN show, like welcome to feeding off results with Beth Stelling. You lose a half pound a day. How are you not going to get like dig in harder? <sighs> half pound See if a you day. Can go higher than half pound a no, day. No, because the thing is you're not supposed to weigh yourself every day on any diet. True. You know what I mean? You're supposed to like wait a while and then check in. Because there's water weight and poops and stuff. Poops? That would make a difference in your weight. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Every time I have a big poop, I'm like, oh, man, should I go weigh in? (laughs) No, I would never uh, think that, but it, you know. Yeah, you weigh yourself before you eat. Yeah. Yeah. Beginning of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Right when you wake up. Yeah. Skinniest feeling. Well, you got to keep, yeah. And after you get out of a pool, like ever like been swimming. I don't know. You know what's funny is I had this conversation when I was like 16 with like my brother, my high school girlfriend and his girlfriend. And we were all talking about like, oh, yeah, when you first wake up, you're so skinny. And I'm like, yeah. And after you get out of a pool, like you've been swimming and everyone's like, what? And I was like, oh, is that not a thing? And (laughs) you threw that out there. And this is the second time ever in my life. a couple decades and then threw it back out. A couple decades. (laughs) Fuck that. Sometimes time is a real, a real trickster you know <laughs> yeah because you're you you think like when people are like how long have you lived here even just saying that number and you say how did that happen yeah i have jokes about this but it's true like in la because there are no seasons time is 
yeah irrelevant it, do, it doesn't even exist you're yeah. just like it you can go months and years and just be like wait what yeah, no clue. i mean because in chicago it'd be like when did you leave mm, the blizzard of 2010 yeah i remember being snowed in but i lived above work so i opened the cafe oh. and then people still found a way to complain that there weren't pastries i was like you're lucky i'm in here you, you fucking piece of, you know that's my dream scenario by the way living above the place you work no <laughs> <laughs> but living in a city where it's a blizzard and no one can get anywhere but there's still a cafe open or there's mm-hmm. still like I've, i remember me. yeah that's the best Stepped were you cooking too no we just had um we had like bagels and yeah. pastries and i'm trying to think they now have food it still exists it's called dollop it was this great place oh that's but tight. i managed it and loved it and and now managing i did Woo! you know i'm a type a comedian i'm i'm like the non-addictive yeah organized love staples in the container store yeah i mean i'm but organized also... too but i never managed a cafe <laughs> we uh i went home once from la to boston and it was winter time and i had a show at the uh comedy studio you ever done the comedy studio no. oh it's the best i bet that's so I'd fun probably like it's to in do cambridge that what i do yeah and uh so me and two of my friends from la they were also from there we all went in the city and like we were like swerving down the highway getting into boston it was so much snow but the show still went on because it's in cambridge and people can just get around and it's above this chinese food restaurant which has like dirty chinese food not like you know like american chinese food Mm -hmm. and we went and i did the show and it was great then we went downstairs and ate then we went to a bar Mm -hmm. and it was like one of those bars because of the snowstorm empty there was like 10 people there the bartender is sitting at the bar playing like a board game and having a drink with someone and they had a fireplace and i was like i don't want to ever leave yeah it was the best yeah how many does the comedy studio see is it more like a showcase thing or is it like you can do a club weekend yeah no it's not like laugh boston laugh boston's like big yeah but it's also in a hotel which is i've always found troubling have you yeah Except the comedy mix. That's on, that's convenient. This week. On, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That Out of every place I've ever done that's in a hotel, Laugh Boston feels the most like a comedy club. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not even, I, I don't, I'm not even looking to, to crap on. No, on I'm not Laugh asking Boston. to. Yeah. I just, for some reason. Last time you were there, I was home. Because oh, I was going to yeah. try and do a guest set. I and said you were you like, could. yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then it was just like me juggling what family. If I, what if I was like, I don't know. You don't yeah, really. I just remember the last time I'd seen you, it wasn't great. Yeah, it was not there for me. Yeah. You know? And I just, you know, I have. Uh, but send a tape. <laughs> send, a <laughs> send a tape. Have you ever had anyone type A send you a tape? Yes. That you've requested? Oh, no. For, I mean, I've had people send me a tape, say, could you give me notes? I've had people send me a tape, can I open for you? Yeah, I've had that too. I thought I meant like uh, you being like, yeah, can you get me a tape? No, I mean, I've had fully random men say, can you listen to this and let me know? And I go, you want it to be honest? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I don't hear back from them because it's not that I rail on them. I'm not like getting off on tearing them apart. Yeah. I'm saying here's what's so wrong with all of this. Yeah. See, I have now wrong because it's not funny or wrong because it's well, just I'm like thinking of a specific situation. <laughs> his name is Eric. He is on Facebook. His email is. Yeah. I mean, it was like a it was a Navy guy. And the story was like, haha, we went to, you know, an East Asian country and got hookers and and uh, and they and my guy friends didn't pay. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so where's the funny part about you taking care, like advantage of women who probably don't want to be there? Yeah. Well, you know, by the way, he's probably, there's some. Oh, and I'm sorry, the joke was further that he didn't end up getting anything because he didn't have money. And all his friends got were an STD. I'm like, oh, okay, so they're trapped against their will and dirty. Yeah. Cool. And now poor because you guys robbed them. Yeah, I mean, all of it. This is fun. But he was doing that out of guilt, you know. He sent that out of guilt. He was like, oh, let me send, like, there's I, it, some, It was like, an open mic. I mean, this is a guy who's like, I've got a story. I think I'm funny. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. think I should pursue this? I have people sending me covers of my jokes. What? Yeah. But they're they're kids. Like I've had high school kids. Like, hey, I had a talent show and I did your joke. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but then they're using my name, and you're like, ah, next time, hit me up before. Yeah, I'll coach you through it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but I've the only time I've ever had. You know, the first time I ever went to do stand up. You know, Ahmed Ahmed. Do you know Ahmed? Uh, I've I've definitely heard of Ahmed Ahmed. Well, that was his show. He and Jay Davis had this show on Sunset at Dublin's. It was like okay. the show, and so I just went there to meet him. And I was like, hey, Ahmed, I'm friends with this girl. You know, you think I could get up tonight? He's like, nah, not tonight, man. You got a tape? And I was like, nah, man, no tape. Like, I had never done stand-up, but that was like the first time anyone asked me for a tape, and I didn't even know what that meant. I'm like, tape? And he's like, yeah, like you... And I'm like, oh, no, I don't have anything. He goes, well, where else do you perform? I'm like, oh, I don't really... I've never done it. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, man. You know. But I just... So I just told you I lost my office. Yeah. And so I unloaded... I mean, VHSs of, like, wow. the first tape I send to people, CDs of, like, Ferguson sets, like, mini-DVs, name how it. How do you feel about Did you watch any? Um, No, I haven't. You haven't watched I, I didn't bust out the VCR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's the, when was the last time you watched old stand-up of yours? Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a while. Yeah. I think it's cringe. And I don't have a CD-ROM to play the DVD. Is that they, what people say? A CD-ROM? Well, I think I took it further. Uh, <laughs> then you needed it to did, go? I think I said ROM. You mean a DVD player? Or like in your computer? You don't have yeah, it. in the yeah. computer. I guess I did, I did actually this year get a DVD player just because I wanted to play the screeners. Yeah, me too. So I was like, I'll buy one. You want to know how goddamn in the future I live? Hmm. When The Revenant came out? Yeah. What was that, two years ago? Mm -hmm. Three years ago? Probably more now, but I don't know. Yeah. Whatever it was. It was nine o'clock on a Saturday. And this wasn't a Billy Joel song. And Kate and I were like, oh, let's watch The Revenant. And then we realized, oh, we don't have a DVD player. We went on Amazon Prime Now, which it was only at the time was only in two cities, one Los Angeles. Ordered a DVD player. And by 9.45, it was at our door. And it cost us like $38. That's crazy. Crazy as fuck. And this was like December 23rd. You know what I mean? Jeez. Like when you think people are like not working and stuff. Nope. They There's came right over. We'll boom. Do, do it for money. Yeah. Yeah. It was disgusting. I mean, I hate, loved it and was just like, where are we living? Yeah. That's crazy. What is this world? You know what I mean? I, two things. One, watch The Remnant with, with Revenant. <laughs> the Remnant, though, was <laughs> about that leftover society, The Remnants. Le Remnant is rooster en français. Ooh. Okay, so I wa I watched The Revenant with Christian Duguay, Emily Maya Mills, Andy Haynes mm -hmm. at their house. Okay. Late, late at night. It was a fun experience. I just wanted to get that out. Two, that movie, if you haven't seen that movie, it's dark. I mean, it's so sad, it, but it's fucking bad. It's incredible. You also can't help but think, like, 
once you've had a little experience working on a set at all, mm-hmm. even if it's just like a comedy set in New York yeah. or whatever. New York's hard to tape film in because of a lot the of city. reasons. But like, can you imagine? I mean, that you there were stories about the makeup kits freezing. I heard stories that people were like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah, like we should. And fucking Leo is jumping in frozen cold water. and Unbelievable. And giving it everything he, he had. Did he win something for that? No? Fuck yeah. He oh, won good. Best Actor. Okay, great news. But like he had been like, great. <laughs> great. Guys, Justin. Great news. Great news. Leo won. But like I've always loved that dude. I mean, love yeah, that dude. Yeah, I mean, for me, of course, it was Titanic and... The Beach? I had a crush. I just watched... Okay, The Beach was the first time it was on we I did speech and debate in high school that was like my first foray in, Hell into yeah, comedy you did. I love that I always wanted to you know we yeah. didn't have it well I, we had the humorous interpretation category which is essentially you cut 10 minutes out of a humorous play mm-hmm. and you play all the characters Hold, all right I, I want to hear all about this but how many kids were in your high school um, my class was probably I, I'm gonna I, my class was maybe I'm trying to. I'm getting numbers mixed up. I yeah. think about 160. Okay. I got a small. It was small. Yeah. I mean, mine was 180. But yeah, like, maybe I, I was 180. I look at like something like this, and I'm like, oh, it must have been a big high school. That's no. such a cool thing to have. Yeah, it was awesome, and it really, really like prepared me for stand up. I was almost always the only female in the room. Mm-hmm. You have to get up and perform in front of a classroom on the weekends. You mm-hmm. do it's like a tournament. So round yeah, one, like round two, round three, yeah. you're rated. You get to move to the how big the tournament is depending semifinals or quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. And Are the final you doing round, different pieces each round? No, you 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 set you pick your piece for the year. My oh. first piece, you call it a piece, was The Lives of the Great Waitresses by Nina Shingold to play i cut it into 10 minutes with my coach and i play all the waitresses and they talk to one another so and it's you like, go into characters yeah. and everything and of course you walk through the halls and if you're an adult and you don't know anything it's a bunch of kids like talking at walls being like how are you i don't know how are you you know what i mean yeah. it's like psychotic yeah i mean like every stand-up comedian walking around la yes talking to themselves oh yeah so it's a, the you know you do you do it to the wall and then you perform for thing and everybody would come and watch the final round because it was the most entertaining yeah. but there's dramatic category there's original oratory there's but like people love to come watch humor yeah i was um i don't know where where was i going with this well what's the base of that play by the way of that one the great waitresses well that one i just did okay in. i got to state that year but then my sophomore year i did smile by jerry bilson Mm -hmm. and the the, the, your time to shine was your intro you do a teaser and then the intro which is the only time you can be original okay so it'd be like teaser pop get a pop get a laugh and then be like you know how sometimes you blah 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 and then you make up your I own thing. I can't even deal with you right now because <laughs> the pride coming off your body, <laughs> your face, you're like, we're back. We are there. I'm in the halls. I got to get to class. I got to get to class. <laughs> and then you'd get to do your own little jokey there. Yeah. I did. Um, but anyway, whatever. That was really like, it It set me up well for stand-up. Because I mean, I was it almost sounds always, like it's it. It's like a performance. Even though it's not original, you had that little moment to do it. It doesn't matter. No one's doing and You don't have, what are you going to do original in high school? Yeah, well, some people did and, you know. Yeah. But anyway, there's so much there. I don't know where I was going I thought you were going to talk about like debate team or something like that. No, how did I even get into this? Oh, hold on. We'll find our way back. But real quick, um, one time I was driving through Hollywood and I saw Ryan Stout, you know, Ryan Stout. Yeah. And he was like walking and he had a letter in his hand. And he was having a conversation. <laughs> and, and I like pull up and I go, hey, man, who are you talking to? 
and he was like sending a letter to a club owner about like an experience that he had and like it was he was not happy about it and he was having the conversation with that club owner and it's like only comedians yes. can see that crazy happening and be like oh yeah he's definitely having a talk with someone yeah. right now that's not listening <laughs> yeah um, i might have freaking did it earlier today I do it all the time. On my but, way walking to that meeting. Oh, yeah. Maybe you should have a parking spot. I don't know. Maybe consider that having a parking spot for us. We don't have to park in the thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I have them like, all the time, except what I have that you don't have are two tiny observant humans that are like, Dad, who are you ta- what are you talking about? And I'm like, nothing. I'm just talking. If anything, they know now, like, hey, it's okay to talk to yourself. Dad talks to himself. I talk to myself. What are you doing? Like, when I'm putting, like, a joke in a voice recorder, they're like, what is that? And I'm like, it's a joke. Can I hear it? Sure, listen. And they're like, no, no, no. And then they just, they run off. Um, all right, back to the... Uh, oh, Yeah. So I thought at first it was going to be like debates, like no, debate no. team. This was... That's unlike me. You, wait, so tell me, well, what does that play about? Okay, so my pieces got stronger as I grew, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like then junior year I did... No, no, um, I don't want to hear about your junior year. Anton and show business. Can I just hear about the when you made In it to state? Senior year, I wonder what I did. No, I, was, I made it to nationals. I was the state champion my senior year. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And I went to nationals two, two or three years... Oklahoma City was nationals my sophomore year. Oh, I know how I got here. The guy, my first love was also in speech and debate, two years older. Uh And during speech and debate, we would go, tournaments were on the weekends. Yeah. In the winter-ish. And they would put us up in a hotel in whatever city we drove to. Jesus. High school kids alone in a hotel. Uh, I sneak over to his room. We're in the same bed watching the beach. Never really watched it. Oh, so I rewatched the beach the recently. Beach, baby. I rewatched it recently and I was like, What'd that was think? pretty good. Not bad. It pulled me in. I was on the road by myself and I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, that's how we got there. Oh, so much to cover right now. I know, but All right, so the beach is awesome. Yes. Leo, when yeah. he takes down that shark. Woo. Holy moly. But it was there's such an undercurrent of uneasy. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. It's you can't really settle in. And then when it ends, you're kind of like, you're not, the feeling isn't, that's it. It's relief that that's it. Yeah, totally. You're like, oh, okay, they got a photo and yeah. everybody's alive. And it was like, part. it was like a total like teeny movie because Leo was such a heartthrob. But at the same time, it was like dark and intense yes. and like, you know. Um, okay, that's one. Two, yeah. I want to know what the play about The Waitresses oh, okay, is okay. about. Mm. Cause do you ever like think I of like getting the rights to a book or a play and doing the adaptation? Do you ever like oh, think my God. about that? I'm very into that because yeah. I was a theater major and I saw you know Doll's House by Hen- Henrik I- yeah. Ibsen. Well, I saw Rebecca. Um... Romaine Stamos. <laughs> no, I'm gonna feel. <laughs> but bad. it was a good guess. I, I was gonna say Dolman, but I I, I think I'm wrong. Uh-huh. But she did an adaptation of A Doll's House called I think just Doll's House, but. It was clear that that's what it was at the Goodman when I was living in Chicago. And I thought to myself, like, I want to do this. I'm yeah. very into adaptation. I ad- I adapted Robert's Robert Frost's Robert Frost's Two Roads. Really? Um, into a play as best I could. Or mm-hmm. like a short story, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard. It was just, a, it was really more of like a, I'm not even saying it was, it was bad. But I'm just saying I words? tried it. Um, his words? Yeah. No, just words in general. <laughs> just you know, just words. Okay, you're right. That was a yeah, very dumb question. his words. Okay, I can't remember what yeah. I did. Because, I would I mean, imagine that's not so, a super yes. long poem. No, that's what it was. Just a work, like it was a 
um, exercise for myself. Okay, yeah. Because I was really into it. But did you perform it. it? No. Oh. No, I just wrote it. I just wanted to see, take something. I just something talked it when I walked down the street. And adapt it into a play. Oh, yeah. Like a, or a short short play. Yeah. And I did that in college. I like that. See, I wish I had done way more of this stuff because I didn't. And if anyone's ever heard this story, I'm going to tell it again. I don't give a shit. I did a directing class in college mm-hmm. and we had to take, sh- we were doing studying like short stories or one acts. Yeah. So one act. That's kind of the word I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. Everyone had to take a one act and then they had to like get an interpretation of it. Yes. And some people did like, um, not act out. Some people made like a, a collage to represent the one act, stuff like that. And I remember like that's what our teacher like suggested. Like you could do a collage or blah, blah, blah. And I was like, instead of I, perf- I, a performance yes, interpretation, it wasn't, you know, this was a liberal arts school. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And so, like, I remember, they were like, in my, in my presentation day, this other girl did the same one act that I picked, and hers was a collage. That's why I remember it. Mm-hmm. And it was this one act play about this young reporter who mm-hmm. goes to World War II to report, and he's so excited to get there to report. And when he gets there, he meets this, like, old reporter Mm -hmm. who's basically telling him like get the fucking like stop looking through the eye through like glass or champagne glasses this is disgusting and horrible like you've been tricked like you, you you don't get what's happening you're too young to understand this is a horrible thing so what i did was i had everyone sit down in a row in seats right Mm -hmm. and i had a a shoebox and i got in front of the class and i go uh I put on Beethoven's Ninth First Movement, which is, is very like melodic, right? Mm-hmm. And I put that on, and I go, "Hey guys, I got inside. Uh, I brought my friend's bunny. I wanted to like show you guys my friend's bunny. Like my roommate has a bunny, and I go to like open the box. I'm like, oh, he's he's a little he's a little frantic. He's a little nervous. I'm like, I, I don't think I, I can pull I him did out. Put him in a box. I, I don't think I can pull him out of the box. I go, so you know what? All right, everyone sit tight, and I grab blankets and I put them across everyone's. Uh, laps and I go I want everyone to close their eyes hold on to your blanket feel your bunny create your own bunny see your bunny name it what color is it what does it look like and the whole time Beethoven's ninth is melodic and I'm like now I want you to see you and your bunny on a hill and you're there together and you're like petting it and it's beautiful and there's flowers blah 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 and I go and right next to your bunny there's a there's a rock and I go now I want you to lift that rock above your head and I want you to smash that bunny's head wide open and I changed the I changed the um, stereo to the second movement which is very like dun 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 and I had an alarm clock set so that started going off and then I took hold on then I took snow and I put it down the back of everyone's neck and then I go I took a bat a baseball bat. They're all their eyes are closed, and I go. I have a bat in my hand, and I started bashing the box. And inside the box, I had like my friend had fur. Oh my god! And I had taken old food for like a week and let it sit no. in that box. So then I went up to everyone with the box, and I go with their eyes still closed, and I stuck it up in their nose, and I go, "Here's your dead bunny." And I did it to every single person. Here's your dead bunny. Here's your dead bunny. And then I got to the end, and I just go, "Don't think I'm crazy." Like, that was how I ended it. I got a fucking A. My professor was like, that was unbelievable. You were expelled. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, they put me under psychological evaluation. But, like, I remember doing that project being like, this is all I would ever want to do. Like, this is how I would get across what I think 
if I was ever going to direct, mm-hmm. you don't want to be like, I think you're pretty. You know, like yeah. the whole point of directing is to be like, hey, what is it inside? You find that thing to like, you mm-hmm. know, I don't know. This week's episode is brought to you by StoryWorth. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly emailed story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask. Okay, I love this idea. So basically, I'm going to break it down in layman's terms. StoryWorth, every week, they send a question via email to someone in your family. And they email back a story related to it. Questions that like you would never think about. And then at the end of the year, you'll get all of their stories in a beautiful hardcover bound book. It's a great way. I know in my family, I had so many old people in my family. My Aunt Rue, my Aunt Lil, my Aunt Gert, my Nana, my Uncle Ray. I wish we had their stories written down when they were able to tell them. You know, they're no longer with us, but this is such a great way to get them. And then you just have these books that you can get for your family. It's super easy to do. You purchase a subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. They simply reply to the email with their story. All the stories are private and only shared with family that you choose. After a year, their stories will be bound in a beautiful, kept book. I mean... It's a great way to keep in touch with your family, help bridge the gap between new people in your family, like young kids with their grandparents who they might not get a chance to know. You get to learn about your relatives. That's funny, surprising, sometimes moving. You know, especially when people email, they're going to say things differently than they would if they were talking in a room. Uh, 52 stories. That's pretty awesome. You get a hardcover printed book, black and white interior, color cover, up to 480 pages long. You can write stories and upload photos by email on the web or the app. I mean, it's just such a really cool idea, and it's a great gift for Mother's Day. Um, I'm going to do it with my mom because I know that woman can talk, um, and she can write as well. So I think it's going to be perfect for her where she can, you know, just let it all let it all out and sh- the thing is too i know my mom is going to look forward to getting this each week it's going to give her a chance to like write something or share something and i think it's different you know we're we're going to ask the sto- questions we always ask of our loved ones but you know going through storyworth they're going to ask unique and different questions that we would never think of so i think it's a really cool idea and because you listen to my show for $20 off go to storyworth.com s-t-o-r-y-w-o-r-t-h.com backslash larson and you can get $20 off your first visit you can do it that easily that's all you really need to know go out there get it and it's a great way to preserve your history they've been written up in the new york times business insider you know all different things because it's unique it's different and it's a way to keep family together and i'm not trying to be corny but we need to do that more we forget to like uh remember all of our past and this is a great way to keep it in one place i know i think that i've learned well by when you do tv or movies or whatever you start seeing like because at first i thought a director was like everything and then you sort of realize i'm not saying that they're not something but you realize (laughs) it's a little different than you thought i i I don't know i don't know because i've never directed i directed a series of shorts that i did okay with a budget i had a budget Uh, box paid for did have a budget um but like recently, I have a friend who just did a movie, and um, I went to the screening of it, and uh, there was a budget, 
a, a, a decent sized budget, something like you know two million bucks, something like that, and uh, it was terrible. And he said to me, like the pressure of directing is like it's on you, right? He, well, he just kept saying keeping your days because you only have a certain amount of days, yes. and your job is to keep- as a director keep the pace you have to okay the set the lighting like because it's everything is tone that's That's like how's it gonna look how's it gonna sound how's it gonna feel and at the end of all that your name's on it no oh keep going my wife does that all the time i'm like just let me tell you i'm not playing a game by the way i actually hate it when my best friend does that to me yeah i know but we can't help it so irritating we want to be right every time we want to be like watch this i know exactly what you're (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, you're not even close. No, at the end of it, I think, and and I'm not name dropping here, but I did work with David Lynch on Twin Peaks. I knew that. And I honestly think for David Lynch, at least with my little role, he could give two fucks about your acting. I know. I think that too he, a little. He, all they care about is getting their story out. The last thing a director worries about, it seems like, in everything I've seen and done. I've seen that as well. Is the fucking acting. How long do you sit there and wait for the lighting and the look? A and long, Oh, we got a time. shadow in there. Oh, yeah. this doesn't. And you're, and you're looking through the lens. You're sitting in Video Village. You're like, I don't know. It looks, it looks good I to think me. We're, I think we're good, guys. But no. You're right. Very much. I've noticed that in some people who are like very seasoned directors. Yeah. That if if when I was acting and I was like, it's not that I needed them to fawn over me. I just wanted them to even say like, no, that was really good. We can move on. A hundred percent. I never got that. And mm-hmm. they were like, we're moving on. And I was like, so was that fine? And they're like, yeah. Oh, they're like, what's your name again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, were you in the shot? Was right, she right, in the right. shot? No, we got you in there. Yeah. Dude, I did that movie, this movie called The Invitation, and Karen Kusama directed it, mm-hmm. and she directed Girl Fight, you know mm-hmm. that movie? So I didn't have a, I was, it was an ensemble cast, but there were like three people that were really the leads, you know? And I never got, like, that. I never got direction. I never got, you know, Jay, maybe you could do, I never got that. And I always wanted, like, was that okay? But I would see her with, like, some of the leads, and she would be there, like, so, <sighs> Don't forget, he just came from here. This is what's happening. This is going. I mean, think about like what they, the revenant. I feel like would almost be easier because the elements were so extreme. You would already be reacting to the elements. That's true. You know, whereas in like other stuff, you're like, don't forget. You know, I know we shot the fucking where you ran 45 miles to get here, and it's a new day, but you're exhausted and you're this, and and you're like, yeah, I'm freezing, and you have nothing, and you know. So I guess that's true because those are more movies. And then my where I was going originally because I I, I see what you're saying and agree. Mm-hmm. And then with sometimes my the reason the where the direction I was going was in TV. How much can a director really bring to a series if you're switching directors between? Yeah, that's one thing I've never so understood. It's almost as if the director's job is to come in and adapt to tone, theme, all that. Unless you're doing a bottle episode, yeah, which is totally divergent from. Perhaps and a bottle episode is just an episode that's almost stands on its own. Yeah, Yeah. that could be a little movie or a little short or something. Like the Seinfeld where they're in the parking garage the entire time. Yeah, yeah. Or the girls episode where they're in Central Park. Yeah. So it's like that. I think sometimes the director's job is just come in and make day. And I asked our script coordinator for Crashing the first couple seasons. I said, "What makes a good director?" She'd worked with Sydney Poitier, and she said. someone who knows they got the shot is sure. It's like, no, we got it. Let's go move. 
Yeah, I mean, I. I watch it all the time because, you know, when I'm on sets and either I'm working or, you know, I'm just like writing or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I'll watch and I'll be like, yeah, we got it. We got it. Yeah. With David Lynch one day, we did a we did a take and it was uh, Belushi, the, whichever Belushi is still alive. The Rob or the son or no? Rob Belushi? Jim. Oh, yeah, Jim. It was Jim Belushi. And uh, he, we got the shot and Lynch goes, all right, we got it. And then the DP was like, can we can we get one more? And he's like, no, nah, we got it. And he's like, I just I, I would love to just get one more. And he's like, all right, let's go again. And so then all of a sudden, like, we're about to go. And then mm-hmm. something's wrong with the light. And so then we reset. And then something happens here. It's like five different things. And then he goes, okay. And then we, then we are finally going to take the shot again. And Belushi just starts doing a scene from The Godfather. Like as a joke. Right? And Lynch goes, told you we had it. And then we just moved on. And it was just like, he was like, that's why I think like dudes like him yeah. and Clint Eastwood, have you ever heard about what he does? Mm-mm. That guy doesn't give two shits. Yeah. John Lynch told us when we were on set of that movie, he goes, I guess like Costner did a movie with, with him. Mm-hmm. And Clint Eastwood is like, uh, they, they, do the, they do the scene and uh, one take. And he goes, all right, moving on. And Costner's like, hey, man, I'd like to do it again. I didn't feel great about it. And he's like, no, we got it. And he's like, I I really would like to do it again. He's like, I'm telling you, it's good. We got it. And he's like, just give me one shot. I just, you know, we did it once. What's one more? And he goes, we got it. We're we're moving on. So Costner goes to his trailer. They reset. Second AD goes to get Costner. And he goes, well, no, tell him I'm not coming back until we do that again. I want another shot. And he's like, all right. Goes back to Eastwood. He's like, yeah, Costner says he's not coming back until, you know, he wants to do it again. And Clint Eastwood was like, all right, all right. And he goes, what's that grip's name over there? And he's like, who, Sean? He goes, yeah. He goes, have makeup, trim up his hair from the back. We'll just shoot the reverse. And he shot the next scene with someone else playing Costner's role because he's like, I don't have time for it. Costner comes back like an hour and a half later, goes right up to Eastwood, goes, hey, listen, I'm sorry. You're, if you say we got it, we got it. I'm ready to do the scene. He's like, all right, perfect. And he goes, but we've already shot that scene. We're going to do this now. And he goes, how'd you shoot? He goes, I, we used him. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't mean anything. As long as you're doing your work, like as long as you're getting this, I mean, comedy I think is different because you have to get jokes to hit. Yeah, but even then, I've been on things where I've been like, we have so much. So much. Garbage. Let it go. Yeah, like. Get over yourself. What what do you think you're going to find? We're going to riff some gold here. Yeah. Just let's move on. We're dying here, guys. Yeah, it's like you're riffing about nothing related to the story. Riffs can help, but like with direction, I think. I mean, or like a very seasoned team of friends. Yeah. Like that's why I love watching movies with friends. I mean, when I'm seeing on-screen friends, that's yeah, why yeah. you love. That's why people love Bill Hader and Seth Rogen yeah. in Superbad. That's why they love or Jonah and Michael or. Yeah this is the end or so let me ask you you have all this background and now you do stand up and you write what is the what is the dream job I think that I'm still I'm actually like I'm sitting today with Beth Stelling (laughs) I think I'm still like adjusting to what I've earned so I think I spent so long yeah going i want to do this i'll be there yes did i get it oh my gosh i can't believe i got it i'm doing it i'm doing it it. and now i'm like i'm actually good at what i do and i feel confident that i can come and do a good job now i finally believe that Mm -hmm. and so what do i want 
I don't yeah. know because I was just hoping for things. Of course, it's such a and mind I never fuck. let myself dream. Yeah. I mean, I let myself dream. I mean, I have goals. I always set goals, but it's like once you start achieving them, and you're almost sort of just shocked that you got them, then you have to transition into. I am good and I keep getting it because I'm good at it and I bring yeah. something to it. So what do I want to do? I just never let my mind totally go there. So what was high school Beth wanting to do? I mean, you stand-up wasn't in your brain, was it? it Did you w- even know a, about stand-up? A speech and debate friend, younger than me, Will, also in humor, he burned me Jim Gaffigan's into the pail or something. Or and you had pale. a CD-ROM at the time? I did have a CD-ROM and headphones and Walkman. Um... And I'll be honest, like, I thought it was funny, of course, but it didn't, like, light me up. I think Jim's very, very funny, but it wasn't like stand-up was like, whoa. It didn't, it wasn't until Dane Cook in college yeah. where I felt the that sort of energy and I was old enough to grasp that that might be something I could do. First stand-up show I did, Dane closed. Wow. Yeah. And I remember, I didn't even know who Dane was. I didn't know yeah. anybody. And yeah. I remember watching me and like, what the fuck is this? Electric. It yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. Do you remember that joke he used to do? He goes, you know what I like to do? He goes, I like to go in a bank and bring a pair of leather gloves. And I stand behind someone. I start putting them on. And I go, now would be a good time to leave. <laughs> I remember being like, that is so funny. Yep. Who shit on the coats? Someone took a shit. Oh, yeah. At the house party. On or around the coats. Yeah. He was like, people like. That's when I was like, I might want to do this. I want to get. Yeah. I want to get. I want to get that type yeah. of reaction. Oh, okay. So that was before you were like, ah, oh, maybe I'll be an actor. Yeah, or before what? I was doing plays and getting into and doing speech and debate, and I did the musicals. I always played the funny part. I wanted to be an actress. I think. I think I wanted to be in plays and be in Steppenwolf stage and do yeah. like live theater. I think that's really what, what I was wanting to do. Be an actress. On I think, I think live theater is the hardest thing in the world. Very much. Because when you do movies and TV, it was all in here. I memorized yeah, the entire you have to memorize place. the whole fucking thing. Yeah. Could you imagine being on stage and forgetting it being like, Speech holy and debate, shit. I had memorized those 10 minutes of all the characters. Like yeah. I, I was very good at memorization from an early age. And I think that that's what I felt like was a forte. And so it, it was one more clue. Like that is where you should go. That is a direction you should go into. Yeah. So it was always that. And then when I moved here, it was just, I want to be a good stand up, And that's when you're confronted with, but what else do you do in every meeting? And you go, oh, the thing that I'm, you saw and brought me in for. Yeah. And you're like, okay, thank you. Yeah. Because there's no money on you. Yeah. So, and now you're getting that opportunity to just go meet with people and they're like, hey, we just want to do something with you. What do yeah. you want to do? Right. And yeah. so then I say, uh-oh, I don't know. Because yeah. I'm have been little, I'm, I'm the littlest sister and I've been a kid sister to everybody I've worked for. Yeah. I, put, I care about them and I want to bolster them and make good jokes that they're happy with so they love me and like me and yeah. are laughing. Like I want to do a good job at everything. So now I'm like, what do I want to do? Yeah. I kind of don't know. I mean, I've been de- developing a show, yeah. which I care about and like, but you also shouldn't get too attached to anything. Oh, my God. Because you can devote every single minute mm-hmm. of your life to it, and then it's just, yeah. oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah. No. Yeah, and that's it. And then and it's dead. Like, oh, okay. Until you can wrap it up in a different wrapping paper in two, four, two, two to six years. Yeah, no shit. I have a friend who's sold the same show like five times. Swear <laughs> to God. And he's like, yeah, I just kind of put a different two friends. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you, how much do you focus on or how much is a part of your life making comedy as a woman uh-huh. take precedent over just making comedy? 
I feel like it's always been a part of my mindset. Even when I first started, yeah. I had specific parameters for myself as a female comedian that I didn't want to, you know, cross or break because I felt a responsibility because whether I want to represent all women, yeah. I am, I've been, that's just what happens. It's less now. Now people are sort of seeing individuals, but for a long time I was women. I was women. Yeah. And so I still actually have it in me an irritation when I see people not helping. See, but I don't ever think of your stand up as coming from a female comedian. I just f- see it coming from a comedian. Yeah, and I like that. And I th- and I've, I I mean, is that what you mean? On that. Yeah. Because like remember when like Ellen was hands down my favorite mm-hmm. if we we're going to categorize male and female comedians. Yeah. Because if you took the comedy out of her mouth and put it in a man's mouth, it would be the same mm-hmm. exact thing. Mm-hmm. And I was always like Oh my God, that was the thing that I love the most is that like, you know, I always never tried to be like, oh, you know what dudes do? You know what right, I mean? Right. There was stuff that was like, you know, now that I'm married, you know what I mean? I have a male perspective of like what it's like living with a woman. Yeah, yeah. Someone who's not the same sex. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's like at the end of the day, we're like completely different, yeah. you know, so it becomes a thing, mm-hmm. not like a any kind of struggle i guess it would be the same if you live with anybody you know what i mean it's not natural yeah i agree you know yeah separate bedrooms would be my ideal but anyway um i also think i avoided particularly graphic sexual nature because i worried that i often found i found at least a handful of women i would see when i was first starting kind of get up and share a gross or shocking sexual story and then i thought and then where's the punchline? Is, is it just that there's poop everywhere? Yeah, it was shock. Okay. So I didn't like that. And my mom was very encouraging of me being clean. Yeah. She really wanted me to be clean. Same with my mom. I was clean for eight years. And I was for a long time as yeah. well. And now and this is my new hour. I'm a grown woman. Yeah. I have sex. And I really... I don't, I'm not exhibitionist about it, but I really think there's fun ways that we can understand each other better. And I'm speaking from a heterosexual position. Mm-hmm. It's the only way I can do it, or currently heterosexual. And so I think I'm like, <laughs> I want... I mean, who knows? Who knows? I've been praying. But I <laughs> <laughs> I want to share that, and I like... And I have male fans, I have female friends. And yeah. I also just... I want us to understand each other better, pretty yeah. much. And I'm not like I have some sort of grand mission, but I'm finding currently joy out of doing that. Yeah. And I think, and I've had I've had men up come up to me afterwards, and be like, I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. Yeah. And I've had um, guys come up to me and say, I love that abortion joke, like yeah. a woman's issue that I've helped make theirs as well. Yeah. Because it's not just a woman's issue. No. Oh my God. Yeah. No. It, 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 so I think. If that's, anything, it's more. Um, it's. I mean, I can't yeah. say that, but do you know what I mean? Like, think of like, if you think of the mental stress of what an abortion is Mm -hmm. that it falls on the woman because ultimately they feel like it's their act but at the same time it's like how can you not think that the man is involved in the conversation or that like he has gone through so many drafts of these types of jokes and analogies i finally come up with one i love which i've been closing on but it's like i i've tried to even have a man understand it. What I came up with was a, an analogy that involves leftovers mm-hmm. for them to kind of understand the onus or the stigma of just being on a woman. But 
it's not like I'm treated. I don't think men are stupid. It's not that yeah. at all. Um, it's just that, that they never really had to think about it because they no. can dump and leave. Yeah. And they don't worry that something's growing inside of them later. Yeah, no shit. Or that maybe it was, was it just on her to be the goalie? Or would he have responsibility yeah. in that too? Yeah. So it's like, but yeah, I, I one thing that I thought of and it didn't totally work, but it's like we're, we have to wear bulletproof vests, but when we get shot, if it kills us, we get charged with attempted murder. Yeah, no <laughs> and kidding. And it's like... That's craziness. You know, it's like, yeah. okay. See, I didn't I, even fire the gun. I have friends give me pushback because I told them, I'm like, I'm having a vasectomy. They're like, why would you have a vasectomy? And I'm like... To enjoy sex with my Because I'm just done. I'm never going to have a kid. And they're like, well, why don't you just like... And I'm like, no, there's nothing else, dude. The woman's I think that's been great. on birth control for... It's always on I them. just got off birth control. Not because the typical like, you ain't making me crazy. It was making me feel bad. My body was changing. It's like, if... if It's a nightmare. It, the I'm birth about to get on birth control. You are? Well, yeah. Vasectomy. Yeah, yeah. But then your, your, your wife isn't having to deal with putting hormones in her body, which yeah. change... It's almost as if the people are like, well, women are crazy, so they can't handle it. But we're crazy because you gave you feed us a pill that a man designed yeah. <laughs> that contributes to that. Yeah. So if you guys were having to take a pill that made altered your personality, you wouldn't take it anymore. No, of course. But we've been on it for like 50 years. Yeah. I mean, and then people go, just stop. It's like, well, I did. But yeah. now I have and I went crazy. sex with a garbage bag <laughs> over my boyfriend's dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's correct. I mean, well, I mean, it's why that's been like one of the biggest topics yeah. that like constantly no one's ever going to agree yeah. on. And I also have a perspective in my stand up when I'm talking about it of my father, who is very anti-choice. His personality is Fox News. I love my dad. But like I have that perspective to keep in mind as I'm talking about it and performing it wherever I'm performing it. Even more so now than ever. Yeah. Because now it's like uh, so much... It used to be... It always felt like comedy was such a left thing. Yeah. And then in the last couple of years, it's been like, no, it's not. Mm-mm. Everyone has a voice and everyone's talking and everyone's yeah. coming and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. And you want to be able to see it because you don't want to offend people and you right. want people to know that you're sympathetic to whatever their belief system is. Yeah. God. Enough of that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> My Lord. Well, I get nervous sometimes going to those cities thinking they're not going to like me and they think I'm some sort of crazy liberal. Yeah. But what I found even this weekend is, first of all, you, your people will come and find you. And my humor isn't political. I've never been a political comic. Yeah. I really am just sort of talking about my own experiences currently as a woman. And I found that, it, it, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised. And the crowds that came out were received it. And yeah. Because I'm not saying if you don't if you don't support women's right to choose, you're a fucking closed minded no. racist. You know, it's yeah. like, how about you think about it this way? And they laugh and yeah. they're like, eh. and it's like you have to have a certain amount of uh, understanding that some people's belief systems are so deeply rooted through generations of their yeah. family of what they saw, of what they see or taught. Taught, you know? yeah. My dad is very much like sees abortion one way, which is like basically a hand reaching up on a woman's body, grabbing a child's hand and ripping it out of her pussy and throwing it in the garbage. And it's like, no, well, it's crying. It's very different, <laughs> yeah. And oftentimes it's not. It's a it's a yoke, yeah. And you can pass it like a period, yeah. And people don't. People think it's yeah. a crying we, baby I inside had of you. Eggs over medium today. <laughs> that wasn't a problem. <laughs> Um, why were you so I was clean you know why I went clean so when I was like five years into comedy um, my manager called and he's like hey I got you a weekend opening for Brian Regan and I was like okay cool 
and he goes, so you know, you got to be clean, and you know, you, you'll you're gonna go up top. You'll do fifteen, and then the host, then the middle will go, and then, and I'm like, okay, and uh, he goes, all right, and I go, cool, and he goes, do you know who Brian Regan is? And I go, no, who's Brian Regan? Like I didn't know who Brian Regan was, yeah. and he's like, dude, this is the last club weekend he's ever gonna do, and I was like, oh. Okay, and he goes, wait till you see him. And it was Irvine Improv, and he murdered. It doesn't even say damn or hell. I know. And I couldn't believe it. And I went up to him after the first show, and I was like, hey, man, what, why? Why are you clean? What, yeah. what, why? And he goes, there's so many of the words in the, the dictionary that you could use. Why would you ever use those words? And I was like, oh, my God. And then right then and there, I'm like, I'm going to be clean. Yeah. And I went eight years. I mean, I would. I always had an attitude that's not clean. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, like, Brian doesn't. No. Gaffigan doesn't. Right. Nate Bargatze doesn't. They're just clean. They do churches. Yeah. But I never really had... I wasn't ever that clean. I was always, you know, this thing. Yeah. And then I got to a point where I'm honest. I'm like, no one gives a fuck if I'm clean. No one. Yeah. And then like you, I was like, oh, I think I can give. We need to like, I feel like the whole world has gotten more relaxed in the last 15 years. And as much as, hey, you know, if you talk about these things uncensored, mm-hmm. then you make the situations more relatable. Like, I mean, have you ever showcased or submitted for Fallon? Have you done Fallon? No, I haven't. Have you ever sh- like given them a tape or anything? No. I sent a tape in like a year and a half ago, and uh, the booker, who Ryan. I've known for years, Ryan, right? No, or Michael, Michael Cox. Yeah, emailed me back and he's like, "Hey, man, I just got to tell you, I laughed the entire set and I was crying at one point, and I could never put any of these jokes on TV. They just would never let it happen." Because, like, the sponsors or whatever behind Fallon are so, you know, that you have to be so clean on that show. You can't even, like, border. I mean, I know people that have gone on and talked about drugs on that, but it, like, literally had to pass, like, different people. And I was like, man, if you go back and watch Carson, uh-huh. you know what I mean? And the stuff that they pushed in the envelope they pushed. You watch Carson clips today, and it's progressive. You really? know what I mean? Oh, my God, yeah. I haven't watched Carson clips. Unfucking believable. When uh, Joan Rivers used to go on there, have you ever seen clips of her on there? I think probably that I have. She crushes, and Johnny's just like looking around, like di- as he's smoking a cigarette, like dying, laughing, being like, "How outrageous is this woman?" Now it's just like, no, they're like, "Ah, oh, it's got to be like if you want to." I literally, I think he said to me, like, "You should take this and go do this on cable." That was like, you know, like Conan. You could do this on Conan, no problem. But you, they would never let you do it on The Tonight Show. And you're like, oh, you know, because I feel like if more people got up and talked about how fucking insane marriage can be and talked about it like in mm-hmm. a real way, it would make people see that it can be that hard but that people work at it and this is how they work at it because they make fun of it and they go to therapy or whatever it is that they do to like make it work. You know what I mean? Yes. (sighs) I'm surprised by that. Well. That whole... No. But I also am surprised because I haven't tried. So, and if I did, I would imagine... Or like try to... Do you not care about ever... (laughs) I just haven't You don't have to tell me. Yeah. I could tell you off air. Okay, yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, anyway... I like doing, uh, I mean, Conan's fun. Uh, I mean, it's super fun. I did Kimmel, but it was a clean, it was a clean set. Yeah. 
Well, you kind of, I mean, they're all clean. Yeah. Every Conan I did right. was clean. I did, I've done six late night spots and they've all been clean. Right. There's never so been that's a swear. Why I, this is why I kind of just am confused why yeah. Tonight Show was my, like. One of them was, one of my jokes is about, um, like, my mom hitting me when I was a kid with a spatula. Uh-huh. And how now that's I'm a dad. That's way better than a wooden spoon. <laughs> you know, or a belt or yeah. a, a twitch. Is that what you call it? A twitch? Switch. Switch. Um, but they were like, yeah, we could never talk about the fact that your mom hit you. And I was what? like, and I, cause I did a joke about putting booze on my daughter's gums, oh, yeah. which is like what every parent used to do. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we could never put that on. And I was like, all right, I'm an unbelievable dad, but yet th- yeah. you're going to, and it was just like, okay, that was one. <sighs> my grandma said that she'll turn a hundred in September, but the yeah. booze on the yeah gums that's what my in-laws said they used to do to my my wife so then i did it once when kate was out of town and like it like put my daughter out and then i was like celebrating and then like she started crying like an hour later and she threw up everywhere because she was wasted no that's not why but she did chuck everywhere but she used to throw up all the time anyway right but at the end of the day it's like hey this is a joke anyway yeah also i forget what it's called like analgesic or something okay that that actually didn't sound no no it didn't sound anything no some sort of gel aerogel Mm -hmm. or whatever or a gel or a gel analgesic i mean what did that i don't know someone who is such a wordsmith as yourself (laughs) or a gel (laughs) whatever you put that on yeah how is it it tastes disgusting it probably is bourbon yeah either way i'm just like uh you know there's like you know you know the deal if you ever have you some sitcoms you think of like oh i wonder how what story are you telling here? You know what I mean? Like that, I don't know if that world exists anymore that you're telling, you know? Right. Like, but maybe it was fabricated the whole time. Whoa. Are you saying there's a conspiracy right now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pampers wouldn't get behind this, <laughs> which is what it comes down to. Um, yeah. Anyway, working clean was definitely like, um, I always just found it to be like a dance for like, oh, this is where I would want to say, fuck or shit or use some like my rules used to be no swearing no sex and no relationships those were my three rules for like eight years straight I think it's a good starting point yeah I do I I think it is I think it's it's a good exercise in in challenging yourself yeah like I I would recommend it to new comics to not put you know I was fucking oh yeah yeah try to not do that yeah I think of course um, or but like then you, I think you just reach a point too where like I have a, currently a joke where I also I still have it in my head it's not gone where I it it actually by the way it wasn't an easy transition like I'm not saying I've been squeaky clean forever but this past the last two years of me building my new hour yeah. have been it's been kind of a tough transition in my mind where I'm like you're bad for being dirty you're bad you're oh, bad oh wow yeah so it's like I remember doing my hometown club in Dayton and I had a, a lot of people I knew parents that grew up oh, knowing yeah. me my parents my grandmother came who was 99 it was like and it was not where it how is many, now how much how much was friends and family and how much was fans they're all I don't know it was so much friends and family yeah like an inordinate amount and do you like those my, shows the whole dentist crew my the whole dental office like everybody that knew me is there yeah and it was a lot of it was heavy on sex and it wasn't as fine tuned as it is now. Yeah. It's probably a little dirtier. Yeah. And I still feel bad about it. Yeah. I did 
I do. I have a joke about getting a dildo for me and the wife. Mm-hmm. So when we're in San Diego, my wife was like, "Are you gonna?" Because her mm-hmm. folks were with us. She's like, and they would come mm-hmm. to the show. She's like, "You're not gonna do that dildo joke, right?" And I go, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Jay, you cannot do that joke." And I go, "What are you censoring me?" <laughs> and she's like, "It's about me." And I'm like, "No, it's about me." And I'm like, you know what? I'm not having this conversation right now. <laughs> so, like, it was the early show, La Jolla, and I was going to go, and her folks were going to come to the show, and then they were going to go home and watch the kids, and she was going to come out to the second show. So, I went, and, I, like, I decided, I'm like, I'm going to do it, but towards the end, I give her POV. Like, I make up her POV, but it's true and not true. And so, I was like, I'm just going to cut that part. So, it's all about my thing, and she can't put on me. I was like, how do I get away with this joke? After the show, my father-in-law, like, like held my shoulders and was like, that was an unbelievable set. Like, proud of me, you know? So, then my wife comes to the second show. We're talking, but she's with other people. Like, we don't have a chance to, like, say anything about it. And then my mother-in-law calls my wife and says hey river threw up so she had to leave and didn't come to the show so next morning we're having breakfast me and kate and my mother-in-law and my mother-in-law goes so i want to see this dildo jay's talking about no and yeah and they're like religious and kate goes oh my god are you serious are you serious and i like high five my mother-in-law we're laughing and then Kate like gets up and leaves and then you know Kate's dad's very like very 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 count very just like you know like an old you know he's a dad yeah so he sits down and we're sitting there and then Kate's mom goes Joe I told Jay I wanted to see the dildo and he goes oh my god Gene what are you doing oh my god unbelievable what are you what are you doing what are you doing (laughs) it was unbelievable and then she's like so you did the joke huh my Kate and I'm like, yeah, but I didn't put in your ending, and everybody loved it, and it crushed. So you know, what can you do? And I did in front of my mom. And was she mad? Was she mad at you for a couple of days? No, she no. was fine. She with knew. That. I mean, it's like, you know, at the end of the day, like, there's something. Isn't there something fun about becoming an adult and being around people that are older than you yeah. and being like, yeah, we're all adults. I I had that like. I'm thinking of a specific couple. My best friend, Amy, growing up, her parents came, the mm-hmm. Schaefers, to that for the show I'm referencing in Dayton, and they sat in the front row. Yeah. And so, of course, I said it. Like, after I would do these jokes, I was like, these people have known me since I was a child. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then they came and saw me again. That was like, I don't even know, last February. And then they came and just saw me at the Punchline in San Francisco. In, in like, uh, whatever, a month ago. Yeah. And it's better and different. And we went out to lunch the next day, and... We had a great conversation about purity because they are religious and they went to some speaker that was talking about sex and religion and how it's not about sin. It's everyone's argument with like purity and wanting to maintain that. But you're not dirty if you have sex. In fact, it's a part of you as a human. And so it was like this whole conversation. We had a nice conversation about it. And so I think they've seen my jokes grow. And I think they're saying, yeah, you're an adult. We can talk about this. Yeah. It's a very real discussion. I mean, I think even more now than ever. I think just as a, I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard, I'm sure you have, but my perspective as a kid growing up in a Catholic household that was kind of like shamed on the idea Mm -hmm. of sex, I thought that only dirty, slutty girls wanted to have sex. You know what I'm saying? Right. So then you wanted to find a girl who was like prim and proper and wasn't like getting all over you. Mm -hmm. And then when you get married, you're like, Jesus Christ, can you just fucking get up? Why don't you be a slut? You know what I mean? And you're just like, (laughs) it's like this weird thing that like, no, everyone healthy should be 
communicating about it and being like, yeah, yeah, I want to do this shit and not right. being perceived. Because you know the whole deal. With a woman, you're a slut. With a dude, you just fucking crush, bro. Right, right. You know, and it's like this weird... And also, I mean, you know, there's... Everybody can have a story about anything in regards to this, but I just mean there's also a stereotype that those prim and proper girls are like the, the freaks. So yeah. it's just like... And one thing is never true about an entire group, but... Yeah. Yeah. One thing is never true about an entire group. Today we sit down <laughs> in <laughs> Dayton, Ohio. Philosophical gems. I have to pee really bad. Yeah, but I mean, I think we're good anyway. This oh, is like okay. perfect. I mean, that's perfect timing. Oh, good. Usually I do My it until someone tight. needs to pee and, then, yeah. and the shoes probably uh, didn't help. No, and, these are fine now because I, I, oh. I'm resting the dogs. Like they've been up. You know, they're not walking, mm-hmm, scraping. Mm-hmm. Resting the, the dogs. We're also um, in the very cool um, kids don't you love it it's I a playhouse it. it's, yeah, a, play it's house. a little playhouse yeah it's freaking amazing yeah that's on the second one I've done in here I'm glad it was you thanks for having thanks, me thanks Beth what'd I say what did I say don't you wish sometimes that you could just go back and relive high school so you could do stuff like whatever weird debate performance thing she was doing I mean it's anyone ever heard of any of that stuff I loved it and I love hearing her perspective as a uh, woman in comedy as a comedian who is just a person at the end of the day you know it's you know without sex attached to it i just don't have the perspective as a woman because i'm not one so i always love and appreciate when i can hear with someone who's got such a keen perspective as beth i hope you guys enjoy this week's yep i'll be back again next week i ain't going nowhere love you guys